Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Uh, was a deacon. He was also in the mail course. And we spent all of our week in church, all of our week. Uh, it had to be three to four days. No, it was even more. It's probably four to five days we spent actually in church. And right around 14 years old, I was in the children's choir and I saw all of these children, you know, and it's like, hey, who's going to get baptized? I said, I'll do it. So, you know, we're all in line and you see people getting of age and they get baptized. So I went ahead and did it, got baptized at a young age. But you know what? I really didn't have an understanding of who Jesus was. I understand that I was bad. I understood that Jesus was good. And I knew that I needed him, but I didn't understand salvation. And to fast forward, I uh, left, the, left the church. Uh, I was doing my own thing, went into the military, and really didn't think about God. A very religious person, like most people in America, just religious. Oh, I love God. I know who God is, but I'm not worshiping him. And, you know, me and my wife get married, and we're having, I mean, terrible problems. Terrible. It was so bad. We're, we're fighting, fist fighting, coming down the stairs. The police were called often. Our marriage was in shambles. And somebody knocked on my door a long, long time ago. And, and to be honest with you, I was like, Master Joe, hold witness, tell them to leave. I don't feel like dealing with them people. But Ruth stayed. And it was Mike Williams. It was a brother from the Newport News Church. And, you know, she heard what he had to say. You know, I was like, hey, whatever he had to say, don't listen to that crap. We saved up in here. So she went and sat down. Let me tell you how, how much importance there is in follow-up. So Mike Williams spoke to her for a second. He went off. I guess he went to another door. But he asked Diani to come by and speak to her once again, and she did. And after that, she actually started to go to church. She was going to church. She was being faithful. And you know what? I was at home. She had the kid in the stroller. I had the couch and the TV. Life was perfect. I didn't have to worry about no drama. I could watch what I wanted, drink what I want. Don't got to share none of my food. But after a while, she's going all the time. She told me that, you know, we had church service at somebody's house. I was like, no, 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 no. Uh-uh, you ain't going back there. She said, yeah, they took your son and took him to the bedroom, to the bedroom to play with the rest of their kids. I was like, no, you ain't going back. <laughs> but thank God she did. And she was obedient. She was going to church. And I'm telling you, everything that I knew how to do to get on her nerves wouldn't work. I was trying to be a pest on purpose, and it wouldn't work. And after a while, I really began to be envious of what she had. She had what I say I had, but I really didn't. She had a real relationship with God. I said I had it. You know, I was born in church. You know how we say crazy stuff like that. I was born in church, but I didn't have it. And I'm telling you, because of her obedience, I am here today. 
Don't just think about you. Think about the people that you influence. You never know. You know, we went to Chandler. This is nothing about my sermon. But we went to Chandler years back, and that time I don't believe Ruth could come. And I'm in the airport, and I'm talking to this young lady and her husband. And, um, you know, I'm talking to the guy, and he says, yeah, man, I was in prison for 25 years. When you hear stuff like that, you're like, hey, let me find another seat. I don't really want to sit by this guy. He's kind of dangerous. So he told me that his wife was his parole officer. <laughs> Crazy. So his wife, the parole officer, so like, you know, he's the new parolee, and um, and she was like, you know, hey, this is what you need to do, whatever parole officers do, you know, giving him, you know, his, his, his uh, list of things. But something happened, and there was a spark. She wasn't supposed to do it, but she ended up dating this guy. And she's dating this, I mean, felon. He's at the house with a bracelet on, you know, an anklet on. She's dating him, and you know what? They end up getting married. Praise God. But the problem was she was saved and he wasn't. And it's very hard. You know, like I said this morning, people want to change, but it's very hard to change. And he was still living a life that he used to live. He was in all types of gangs. But she was obedient for three years. She was going to church for three years, continuously going to church, praying for her husband. And he got in an accident in the middle of a tunnel. And it changed his life. He said, you know what? I need to get my life right. And because of that, that young man had got radically saved because of his wife. And I don't know who that's for, but I'll tell you this. If you're praying for your loved one, continue to pray, but continue to be faithful. See, God hears your prayers, but they see your life. And if you have those things together, you'll be okay. Okay, I'm going to get into the sermon now. NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, is an international alliance that consists of 29 member states from North America and Europe. It was established at the signing of the North American Treaty in April 4th of 1949. Article 5 of the treaty states that if any, armed, if any who is armed attacks one of these member states, that they have attacked each one of them, and that no matter who is attacked, someone will come back with force of the 29 member countries two are located in north america 26 are in europe and one is in eurasia which is turkey all members have militaries except for iceland which does not have a typical military it doesn't have a typical army but does however have a coast guard and a small unit of civilian specialists for nato operations iceland's defense consists of Icelandic Coast Guard. There's a Coast Guard member here this morning, which patrols the uh, Icelandic waters in airspace and other services such as the National Commissioner's National Security and Special Forces Unit. Iceland is, however, the only NATO member which maintains no standing army, joined on the condition that it would be expected to establish one. They don't have to. However, it's strategically... Uh, geographically positioned in the mid-Atlantic, and it makes them an invaluable member. It has a Coast Guard and has a contribution of voluntary peacekeepers. I want you to listen to these numbers of the Icelandic Coast Guard. The population of Iceland is only 350,000. They're the smallest country in NATO. They only have 200 active Coast Guard members. We think that we don't have a lot of Coast Guard. 
They have less than 200 active Coast Guard members. They have 200 Coast Guard reserves, and only 0.6% of their nation is in the military. Why does that matter? Here's my scripture. Deuteronomy 21 through 4. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle. We are on the verge of battle, ladies and gentlemen. That the priest shall approach and speak to the people, and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint, do not be afraid, and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. Here's where I want to put the focus. Verse 4. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you and against your enemies to save you. I've entitled this sermon, On the Verge of Battle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, there is no one in this place that does not realize that we're on the verge of battle. There are so many things going on right now, Lord Jesus Christ, around us. You know, we pray for uh, the, the people in Puerto Rico, the people in the Philippines with the earthquakes, but that's not just it, God. All around the world, Lord Jesus Christ, we're seeing the changes in the weather, God. All around the world, Lord Jesus Christ, we're seeing wars, God. We're seeing atrocities, Lord Jesus. We're seeing exactly what the word, what your Bible told us to watch and wait for, God. No, God, we don't know the time, Lord Jesus Christ that you're coming back Lord Jesus but we know the battle has come to us Lord Jesus and we have to fight God I pray this evening God that you will raise up an army God a mighty army Lord Jesus Christ even though they seem much bigger faster and stronger than we are Lord Jesus give us the strength God through your power we thank you in Jesus name we pray amen the battle is coming how many people have a big brother or a big sister in here, you know? When you're kids, you feel invincible. When you have an older sibling, you'll say things like this. Don't make me call my big brother, all right? Don't, you don't want to mess with me because i got somebody I can call. You know, some of us, uh, uh, I was the only one. My, my sister wasn't born until 13 years after I was born, so I ain't had nobody. So I said, don't make me call my mama. My mom would come down there with a the robe, you know, she pinch it like that, and she would go ahead and fight for her baby. <laughs> Some of us, we had a crew. We had a, we had a select group of people, <laughs> you know, with at least one big person, you know, Big E, Big Paula, somebody like that. They were really bad if they had little in front of their name, like Little E, Little Paula. That's when they're real big. In some of us, we had people that we could rely on. And we knew that no matter what was going on, that we had somebody that we could call. My question to you is what happens when you're in situations? You're minding your own business and somebody wants to pick a fight with you. It's the enemy. The enemy, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, but the enemy is ready to fight. Family is like that sometimes. You're trying to pay your tithes and feed your babies. And here comes the devil in an all-out war. Let me give you a few, for instances, that take place. Because we live in the real world. You know, you're driving your car. You don't got no money, but you just got a flat tire. 
You know what? The devil knows that sometimes he can't get you because you're too strong, but he makes your kids sick. You know what? You, you've been working as hard as you can. You've been trying to pull as much overtime, but you don't want to miss church, and now you got an eviction notice. You're on your job, and you know what? You've been ministering to the people on the job. You've been trying to convict your boss about coming to church, but now you got a pink slip. You're just minding your own business, and here comes the enemy. See, we see this in 2 Kings. The king of Syria was coming to fight with Elijah because he was telling the king of Israel the words that he spoke in his bedroom. God was speaking to Elijah, and he was giving him the visions of what the king was saying in his bedroom. And the king was like, no, I'm not having this. The king came to pick a fight with Elijah. And let's pick it up in 2 Kings 6. 14 through 18, therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. This, the king sent all these people for one man because he knew that there was power in that one man. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, Strike his people, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness, according to the word of Elijah. See, Elijah was at his house. He was minding his own business. He's not looking for a fight. He's at the house doing what he was doing. And Elijah, the, serv the servant, went outside to check on something. And all of a sudden, he turns around and sees an army. Now, think of that. Think of that in your situation. You know, I used to live in Virginia Beach. All Virginia Beach ain't nice, all right? I used to live in the hood of Virginia Beach. I remember one time, you know, we're in the bedroom, and, and we hear, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, we hear all this rustling, and Ruth and I look out the window, and there is like a gang fighting in front of our house. They're just fighting. I mean, stuff is going on. One time we found a gun in the back of our house by the trash can. You're minding your own business. You're trying to serve God, and here comes the enemy. It wasn't necessarily expected. See, I hate to bust your Christian bubble today, but just because you're a Christian doesn't mean the stuff won't happen. It doesn't mean that you won't be attacked. Believe me, you will. Matter of fact, you might get attacked more that you're a Christian than you wasn't a Christian. See, that's the stuff we don't tell people in outreach because they won't come to church. <laughs> but it's true. Stuff happens. See, a lot of us Christians, what happens is we go to Walmart. How many people go to Walmart? That's what we do, right? Walmart's slick. This is what they do. So they put the groceries all the way in the back. They put the milk all the way in the back of the store. So you got to walk past all the rest of the stuff to get to the milk, right? And then when you get right back to the register, right before you get to the register, they got all the magazines. They got all the books, right? They got the Live Your Best Life Now book. I don't know how many versions this man can come up with for this book. They got, you know, 10 steps to a happy marriage in Christ and all this other nonsense. And let me tell you something. Don't fall for it. Save your money. Matter of fact, put that money in the offering plate. 
Because that's not going to do nothing for you. What it's doing is it's lying to you and telling you all you got to do is this formula and you're going to be okay. That's not true. See, Elijah was at home. He's minding his own business and the battle came to him. It came to him. We're constantly on the verge of battle. But the question is, are you prepared? We're constantly on the verge. We're constantly right there on the cusp. You don't see it coming, but it's right there. We're on the face of battle. But are you ready? See, there's only three things you can do. You only got three options. Fight, flight, or freeze. We've all heard this. This is not an uncommon thing. You know, anybody who's ever spent a little bit of time around mental health or they've had some type of uh, uh, AA meeting or watched the TV show, you've seen this before. If you don't fight, you're going to run or you're going to freeze. There's an account of the D-Day landings on Normandy in World War II that after the doors had opened, they had dropped down. What they did was they had these ships, right? These ships were made to come and literally come on land and that the door would fall on the sand. And what happened was these soldiers who had been trained for war, been trained for war, as soon as the gates would come down, a lot of them froze. Froze. And what happened when they froze, they instantly got killed. Instantly stopped moving and became an easy target. And actually, those dead soldiers became obstacles for the real people who wanted to fight. Do you know that you could be a detriment to the person who wants to fight because you're scared to fight? You're in a situation where I don't know what to do. I'm a freeze. And what happens is you're blocking everything behind you. That's why when I, I get excited when I see these young men, these young women stepping up to do something in the church, I don't know exactly what to do. I don't know exactly what to say, but I'm here. Let me say something because it's deeper than what we may expect. When you stop moving, who are you becoming an obstacle for? In grenade training, I, I know that, you know, me and my wife are soldiers. We've got a few sailors in here. In grenade training, you're supposed to hunch down and grab the grenade firmly in your throwing hand, and you're supposed to stick your finger through the pin of the grenade. And as you stand up, you're supposed to draw back and throw the grenade. This is what happens in training. Many people get nervous, and they hold on to the grenade. Obviously, this is dangerous. They've already taken the pin out. They're already scared, and we know what happens when you're scared. Because if they drop it, they'll kill themselves and everybody else around them. Once again, you're thinking that by you not doing it, you're just going to skate past, but no, you're affecting everybody else. You know what? I can miss this service. I'm good. Oh, I won't even be missed. Nobody even know. You have no idea. That person that you witnessed to, they came and didn't see you, and they left right back out. Let me tell you what happens in grenade training when you see a soldier do that. If you don't believe me, ask anybody in the military. The leader will order the soldier to throw the grenade, a verbal order, a rebuke maybe. And if they don't, the leader will grab his hand, the hand with the grenade in it, and he will try to knock the soldier out with the butt of his weapon. And the reason why he's doing that is because these people aren't going to die on my watch. 
because you're not trying to do what you're supposed to do. See, that's what Pastor Dragoon does. You know, he'll talk to you like, hey, you know, hey, sis, hey, bro, I've noticed a few things. You might want to work on this, but you're doing your own thing, and he has to rebuke you because he doesn't want that bleeding into the rest of the church. See, he has to make a few steps that makes it a little bit harder. See, it sounds cruel. No one wants to do that, but everybody wants to be safe. Someone has to stand up. Who's going to stand up when the pastor's not here to stand up? Who's going to stand up in your house? You know, there's this thing inside of us that says, man, as long as I can get to Sunday. Forget Sunday. Monday is the fight. Sunday's easy. You come in here, sing a few songs, listen to somebody talk. You got to take the stuff you heard and work on it Monday and Tuesday. See, that's the reason why it's called a recharge service, because you've been fighting so hard that you need to recharge a little bit by Wednesday. So don't get mad when your pastor comes and says, hey, bro, hey, sis, you seem to be a little stagnant lately. It may not seem like it, but the rebuke is important to the safety of not just you, but the people around you. Can you be rebuked? That's, I mean, who, come on, come on. I've been under pastors, and let me tell you, I love y'all's pastor. Y'all's pastor, man, he comes, he's the acoustic pastor. He comes with the little, with the guitar. I got pastors, man. They scream your head off, you stupid. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Look, Jamar, oh, my gosh, what did I do this time? You know, look, Pastor Brooks, he took over, if you don't know, Pastor Brooks, uh, is now the um, assistant pastor in Newport News. So let me tell you something. So he'll text me or he'll call me. I'm like, hey, pastor. Because I know I did something wrong. Like, hey, bro, just checking on you. Like, oh, okay, I'm good. <laughs> and the reason why is to keep me on my toes. It's not that I'm afraid of him. It's I have respect. And I have respect for the man of God because I have respect for the man That's praising God. I have respect for God himself. You know, in the end of the day, if you don't accept your rebuke, do you know that the passage is going to keep it moving? You you know, they ain't like Moses either. (laughs) Moses had a million people, millions of people following him. They ain't like him. And they definitely didn't like Jesus. But they both okay. How about you? Let's look at the fight. I mean, the flight. Flight is just another word for retreat. The running part is easy. You'd follow in the path of all the other ones who went into the world. Once again, I said that this morning. Let me. This isn't my first time at this church. Every revival that y'all have, I come. I always make sure that my family comes here because we need to be in the place of God. But outside of that, there's a few faces I don't see anymore. There's a few faces that I used to see in these seats, and I don't see them anymore. I know some people, you know, they get deployed or they get transferred into other areas. But some folks are supposed to be here, but they're not. See, what happens is a lot of people, they become under pressure and they begin to fly. Like, you know what? This church is changing. How many people heard stuff like, this church is changing. It ain't the way it used to be. I'm leaving. You know, the unfortunate thing, I can't speak for your church, but I've seen it in my own. We get all these people that they know more than everybody else, and they end up leaving, but they're not following God no more. 
Like if you leave and go to another church, at least you following God, but you leave and you at the house. Who were you listening to in the first place? So the question has to be, what do we do? What do we do in the situation of battle? What we do is we look at our main scripture. Verse two and three. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest, the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And he will say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. Number one, listen to your pastor. Number one, listen to your pastor. When everything inside of you is telling you to run, call your pastor. The reason why is because you were appointed here. God placed you here. Sometimes we get that a little mixed up. I hear people tell me, I can just find another church. We have, right now, um, Pastor Mitchell said that we have like 2,800 churches. I can just find another church. That's true, but God didn't place you at another church. He placed you here. What are you missing? And what is another person missing because you're not here? Maybe your pastor can help you. Who knows? You know, you may be saying to yourself, yeah, he's just another man. He's a man just like me. He's a human just like I am. That's true. But God appointed his leaders. And when God appoints, he also equips. See, the beautiful thing is that your pastor has all the tools that you need to get to where you have to go. All you have to do is look at verse 4. This is a very powerful scripture because it tells us that the battle is going to come, but it also gives us exactly what we need to fight. Verse 4 says, for the Lord your God is he who goes with you. Meaning you're not alone. See, you're like Iceland. You're the smallest. You don't have an army at all. But what you're attached to is a superpower. See, the interesting thing about Iceland, they don't have an army. Matter of fact, it's only a few people. They got a Coast Guard with 200 folks. But they are attached to a superpower. They're attached to America. They're attached to Europe. See, you're attached to a superpower too, and that's Jesus. You're attached to the most powerful superpower. And there's many people we can go down the list and we can look at their lives. You know what? You don't have to go through the problem first. Read your Bible. We can look at, we can look at Gideon. Gideon was like, hey, I am the, I'm the least of my tribe. And God was like, no, nah, I got something for you. And what he did was when he got his people together, God started to deplete them. Like, look, you know what? Get rid of these. Get rid of those. And he had a very small handful. And God said, that's just right. Because if you have all the power, you get the glory. But when you have no power at all, I get the glory. We see that with Moses. Moses was told at the burning bush, hey, I want you to go and free my people. And Moses was like, I can't even talk. I'm stuttering. He's like, all right, we'll take your brother with you, but I got something for you to do. We see that also <clears throat> with our brother David. David, he wasn't, that's hilarious. You know, all his brothers was lined up. And they're being ready to be presented as king. And David is back there with the sheep. You know, he back there feeding some animals. But God said, that's who I want to fight in my army. See, this, the next part of the verse says that God is there to fight for you and against your enemies. And not only that, 
He says, all you have to do is show up for the battle. Do you really think you're fighting? Seriously, do you think Iceland is fighting anybody? They're not fighting anybody. What they're doing is they're just playing their position. They are there for support. That's what God said. He said, you know what? I come to fight your battles. All you got to do is stand up. Stop sitting down. Stop laying down on your situation. I mean, I know everybody in this place. No one is unsaved in this place. No one is, is foreign to hearing about Jesus. Let me ask you what Allah would do for his people. That's exactly right. You think Allah's going to fight for his people? Are you serious? Now, Allah's going to tell him to strap a bomb to your chest. Allah's going to say, look, you be the sacrifice. I'm not coming down on no cross. You do that. See, I don't want a God who's a coward. I want a God who will stand up for his people. Amen. And you may ask yourself, why would God fight for me? All the things I've done, I am so unworthy. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. But it's so simple. It's just three words. It's the last three words of our scriptures. He does it to save you. You know, God wants you. He created you because he wants you. Think about how amazing God is. God knows everything that you've ever done. He knows that you're going to fail. He knows that you're going to sin. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, you can come to heaven. That is ridiculous. If God was like people, come on. How many people unemployed because, you know, they screamed at their boss or they didn't do their job? (laughs) God said a reasonable sacrifice. Just do a little bit. Just please just stay saved. God did it to save us. God will fight your battles as long as you will stand up to save you. You know, that's the reason for the ark. You know, sometimes we get caught up in all these uh, Sunday school-like situations where, you know, the ark, and it was Noah, and it was the animals. Well, no, there's a reason for the ark. The reason for the ark is to save you. See, you're thinking that that happened to those people, but if it wasn't for the ark saving Noah, you wouldn't be here. See, that's the reason for the immaculate conception to save you. Jesus Christ didn't have to leave heaven. He's up there in beauty. He's up there with his father, with the Holy Spirit. But he decided to leave the holiness to come down here in the muck and mire. See, that's the reason for the resurrection. You know what? Jesus didn't have to let them people put him on the cross and Rise on the third day. He could have called his. He could have called his angels. He could do anything he wanted to do. But he said, "You know what? I'm willing to die, and resurrect." That's the reason for each and every person in your Bible. Those aren't characters. I hate when people say, "You know, the Bible character." Those aren't char- don't people. I'm not a character. Those are people in the Bible. That's the reason we have one. Is because God wants to save you. That's the reason for your church. You know, all the men that have made sure that this building could stay open. Of course, your pastor, but the pastor before him and before him. And you got to think all the way back to the beginning before there was a church here in Virginia Beach. God wanted to save you. That's the reason he came to get you. That's why somebody knocked on your door. Because God sent them to you to save you. To save you. The question is, are you willing to be saved? 
Not do you want to be saved. Are you willing to be saved? Let me get every head bowed. You know what? You're a Christian. In this place, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you believe in salvation, you believe in heaven, you are going to have to fight. You can be like the world and you can say, well, look, you know, bullying is wrong. Well, it don't matter. The enemy's coming. And a lot of times it's not even the enemy, it's you fighting against you. You know, the flesh is the biggest beast that we have to fight. It's not the enemy that's not getting you out of bed in the morning. That's you. It's not the enemy that's not letting you read your Bible. That's you. It's not the enemy that's stopping you from getting to church. That's you. Are you willing to fight? You know, this morning we talked about the untapped potential. We talked about there's so much potential that God can see it inside of us because he put it inside of us. But we got to do some work. And let me tell you something. You may be tapping into your potential and you're working for God, but you also got to fight. You know, sometimes you got to get bruised. You got to get scraped. Sometimes you got to get a bloody nose or you might, you might have to get a black eye. But that's when you know the battle is real. My mother always said, you know what? You don't got to win every fight, but you better fight every fight. And the beautiful thing is that you don't fight alone. The Bible says that all you have to do is stand up. All you have to do is be willing to fight. All you have to do is come to the battle. God will fight it for you. What about you in this place? No one is foreign to hearing about salvation. No one is foreign to hearing about, you know, an opportunity to be with God forever. But you know what? You can backslide so easy. I mean, out of the same mouth that we, we pray, out of the same mouth that we give praises to our God, that one situation we can speak sin. One situation, we can burn down a whole forest of destiny with our words. So I ask you in this place, are you willing to be saved? I know it's hard. I know you get tired of fighting. Believe me, me too. But you don't have to do it alone. Number one, we have Jesus. And number two, you have all the people here. They're appointed to be on your platoon. But are you willing to do what it takes are you willing to stand? In this place, I got one question for you. Are you saved? Are you backslidden? It doesn't matter what you call it. Are you not right with God? Has your belief started to wane? Are you not exactly in the place where you want to be? Are you knowing that God wants more for you, but you're stopping his hand? Please don't let that happen today. The beautiful thing is that you don't have to leave out of here the same way you came in. God expects for you to get saved the same way you expect for the help. If you're in this place under the sound of my voice and you are not saved, if you are backslidden of any type, I don't care how bad you're backslidden or how short it is, this is your opportunity to get right with God. If, if you're here, you can raise your hand. See, God wants to touch you. He wants to move in you. He wants to save you, but you got to be willing to be saved. Please don't leave this place the same way. I know y'all get tired of hearing that each and every service in some part of the service. They say that 
You don't have to leave here the same way, but it's true. Don't fall for the lie of the devil. God is not done with you. He still loves you. He still wants to work with you, but he's a gentleman. He's not going to force anything upon you. One more time, if you're not saving this place, if you're backslidden, raise your hand. No hands raised. What we're going to do, we're going to change, change the tone of the service. We're going to focus on God. You know what? It's 2020, and believe me, I know people's already been in some fights. Matter of fact, you probably was fighting to get into the new year. You're going through problems in your finances. You're going through problems in your marriage. You're going through problems in your mind. God wants to touch you. He said, you know what? He's willing to fight your battle. All you have to do is stand up. Everything inside of you is telling you to retreat, to freeze up. Don't do it. You do your best fighting at the altar. This altar is open. Why don't we come up? Come up and spend some time talking to Jesus. I know there's an area in your life that you need an army. There's an area in your life that you need a superpower. You know what? You've been fighting and fighting and fighting, but it just seems like, oh my gosh, I'm getting worn out. I'm getting so tired. I want to do so much more. But God, I'm broken. Tell your Savior. See, we don't pray to an idol. We don't pray to a, a piece of stone or a piece of wood that has no ears to hear you. That has no mouth to speak to you. No, we pray to the ever-loving, the everlasting, the ever-knowing God. We pray to one who created everything. We pray to one who changes situations, who moves. When you pray, please pray with faith. Don't let the devil take away everything that God is trying to give you. Heavenly Father, God, we come at this time, Lord Jesus Christ, and we need you to restore us, God. We need restoration, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God, we've been getting beat up, Lord Jesus Christ. We've been bullied, Lord Jesus Christ. The enemy, Lord Jesus, has been fighting against us, God. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, our flesh, Lord Jesus, is beating and pounding on us, Lord. And everything inside of us is telling us to quit, God. But Heavenly Father, we don't want to, Lord Jesus Christ. Like the gathering the maniac, Lord Jesus Christ, we're running, Lord Jesus, with this legion of demons in us, God. And all we want to do is fall at your feet, God. Oh, Lord Jesus, a woman with the issue of blood said, if I could just touch the hem of your garment, God. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, please restore us, God. Touch us, Lord. Work in your people, God. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, save us, Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Oh,